This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. And just a housekeeping note here this week. If you're listening to the Value Investor Podcast and you don't know that I do a second weekly podcast here at Zach's, you should go subscribe to the second one. It is called the Zach's Market Edge and it's Z-A-C-K-S, Zach's Market Edge. You can also get it on Apple, Spotify, wherever you can get podcasts. It also covers stocks. I usually have guests on there, but not always. Sometimes I do go solo and we can talk about few more issues other than just stocks on there like Bitcoin, NFTs, gold, commodities, whatever's going on. But if you want more stocks than just what you get here on the Value Investor Podcast, you can tune in to the Zach's Market Edge every week as well. But be sure you get both podcasts because I am giving out a lot of stocks on all these shows. So I know you love to get the stocks and hear about uh, what has the high ranks, basically. So get both shows and get double the stock picks. Okay, so that's done. So this episode um, is taking a little bit of a turn because I just heard that a newsletter investing legend has passed away. Her name was Geraldine Weiss, and she started the Investment Quality Trends newsletter. And that newsletter actually uh, still is going on and exists today, but she started it in 1966. She was 96 years old this year when she passed. So she is a newsletter investing legend because she was one of the original Uh, stock investing newsletters that was out there. I mean, think about it. 1966 was a bull market going on in stocks in 1966. So maybe that uh, encouraged her to start it in the 1960s. So the New York Times had an excellent obituary that they put in the paper and online this week, the week of uh, April 25th, 2022. And I encourage everybody to go look at it. I'm going to put a link to it in the article for this podcast on Zacks.com. But um, I'm going to talk a little bit about what they said. They did uh, interview her for this obituary. So she must have known, uh, you know, that maybe her health was declining. And she reached out and gave an interview for her own obituary. So we get even better details about what her career was like because it really was just uh, fantastic, especially for a woman in finance. So her father was a real estate agent and her mom was a homemaker, but she told the New York Times that her extended family used to talk about investing often, which is somewhat unusual for back in the day, but Great Depression, and then war was going on. So maybe everybody was talking about it. This would have been the 19, like 20s, 1930s. Um, So she loved it so much that she was encouraged to study business and finance at UC Berkeley in California. She graduated in 1945. She tried to have a career as a singer and songwriter in the 1940s. But she also got married and moved to San Diego. So she ended up reading all the books on investing in the San Diego library. 
And she told the New York Times she was influenced by the work of Benjamin Graham at that time. Of course, the father of value investing. But why would she have been influenced by Ben Graham? Well, remember the Intelligent Investor book had come out by that time. The original, the original version had come out. And so Ben Graham was out there and it's kind of interesting and fun that we are still reading that same book all these years later has new editions and then it has that newer edition after ben graham's death uh, about 15 years ago now but essentially the same lessons are in it so she uh got married had some kids she was told by stockbrokers because she um was working with stockbrokers and wanted to work in finance with stocks, but they told her to basically stay as a secretary. Like you can't be in actual investing side. You have to stay, stay in the secretarial pool. So instead she started a newsletter at age 40 once her kids were older and she had some more free time. She started it with a partner. That was the investment quality trends newsletter. And then she ended up buying him out a few years into it. And then she just ran it herself. So it was a twice monthly and it was focused on dividends. So she became known as the grand dame of dividends in the investment industry. And part of the reason she chose dividends was because she said in the obituary that dividends represent the here and now. They're not subject to subterfuge. So basically, I've always said this about dividends too, you can't fake the cash. You can't just uh, you know put some numbers on a spreadsheet and say you have it. You have to pay it out to those shareholders. So it doesn't always protect you from fraud and scams and things like that, but it's a lot harder to pay out a dividend and also have those things going on. Not impossible, but harder. So that's also why I like it and that's why she liked it. So she came up with uh, a strategy for investing in dividends through the newsletter. And in it, uh, according to the New York Times obituary, she preferred blue chip stocks, uh, what would, today we would call the dividend aristocrats. So those are the ones that consistently have paid out dividends for many years and also probably have raised that, uh, you know, their dividends over all those years. That's the aristocrats, right? That's the group that's paid out and raised its dividend every year for like 25 years or more. That's not easy to do. I mean, look at all the things that go on in a uh, economy and just the business cycles. And so you have to have some pretty good management to be able to do that. And then she also piled on some technical analysis, according to New York Times. And that part of it looked at historic lows of the dividend yield. So when the yield hit a new historic low for that particular stock, she considered it to be overvalued and then she sold it. So that was kind of an interesting both fundamental and technical side in this newsletter. And she was kind of cutting edge at the time she started this kind of strategy in the 1960s, because according to the obituary, you were either one or the other, you weren't combining them at all back in the day. Um, also an interesting thing from the obituary is that when she started the newsletter, 
she started it as uh, the editor under her name, but she had it as G. Period Weiss, not Geraldine, because she assumed, and probably correctly, in the 1960s, that uh, her customers might not take investing advice from a woman. So if you just do like the J.K. Rowling thing, that's just J.K. You don't know if that's a man or a woman, right? So she just did G. Period Weiss. We did not know it was a woman necessarily just coming to you in the mail. And so that was pre-internet. She's not exactly making any videos for it back in the day, but she did reveal her identity in 1977 when she went on the Louis Ruckheiser show on PBS, the the famous investing show. And she came on obviously uh, and said, you know, said who she was and then it was revealed, but that wasn't until 1977. So this tells you kind of the difficulty of women in finance and uh, why she is such an investing legend for writing that newsletter decade after decade. Now, what about uh, performance? So in the obituary, it said from 1986 to 2022, uh, the, the newsletter did a gain of 11.8%. And that compares with 11% for the Wilshire 5000 total market index over that period of time. So slightly beating the Wilshire 5000. It did not compare to the S&P 500 or um, the NASDAQ or any other index in the obituary. So pretty good track record, but she actually sold the uh, newsletter in 2002 when she was 76. She decided to retire and then uh, sold it, but the newsletter does continue on using her strategy. So you can still subscribe to the Investment Quality Trends newsletter here today. Now she was, uh, you know, her popularity grew she became very well known in the investing uh, community. She was a big bridge player, according to the obituary, and she did used to hang out and play bridge with Buffett and his friends over the years. <laughs> you know how Buffett uh, likes to do the cards. Um, and I think that included like Bill Gates and others at those card playing events over the years. So she is of the same generation as Warren Buffett. And so that would make sense that um, as a fan of Ben Graham, value investing in general, and uh, so involved in the investing community, having written that newsletter for basically decades, that you know she is um, hardcore with that generation. So Uh, I salute her, and she also wrote a book in the 1990s. That was a big thing to do in the 1990s for all these uh, big investors. We also had like the Peter Lynch books were out in the 1990s. And she wrote it on, of course, dividends called The Dividend Connection. I looked it up. You can still buy it on Amazon. There's also some copies elsewhere at some used bookstores on eBay. So you kind of have to dig around to get it. Uh, but I might check it out. Maybe I'll do an episode on it um, once I get it and see what's in it. But um, yeah, she has the full the full package there. And I like dividends. I don't know um, how many of you have been in them because when growth stocks are on huge rallies like we've seen over the last 10 years, people tend to turn away from the dividend side of things. Unless you are using dividends really just for the income. 
So a lot of people have them for the income, but as like an investment strategy, not so many people while growth is king. But now value has come back into fashion and a lot of uh, value stocks tend to pay dividends. Um, they just do <laughs> just kind of go hand in hand. So I ran a screen with the Zacks ranks of number ones and twos. Those are the buys and the strong buys, because of course we want rising earnings estimates as much as we can right now in these kind of more difficult market conditions. And uh, I looked for yield over 5%, a dividend yield over five, that's pretty up there, right? Even, even today, even with this pullback in stocks, it's hard to get uh, quality companies over 5%. And then it had to have a five-year historic dividend growth like of some sort in there. So it had to have a little bit of a track record. So I was trying to uh, match her kind of screen on looking for those with uh, a history of paying the dividends, you know, a dividend aristocrat kind of thing. But in this case, just five-year history of, of growing it or, you know, at least paying something, right? So this screen was pretty narrow and originally gave me 22 stocks. I looked at them and I wasn't all that excited. And so I rescreened with a dividend yield over 4%, thinking I would at least get a little bit more and maybe somewhere more, uh, not interesting, but uh, just maybe in different sectors. If I went a little bit lower on that dividend yield and I did, and it, it gave me 47 stocks with the 4% yield. So that was that was uh, much more what I was looking for, but what was really on this list, both 22 stocks and the 47 stocks is commodities, because that's where the dividend growth is right now. That's where the free cash flows are right now with all the commodity prices soaring. Um, there's plenty of money to give back to the shareholders right now. So not surprisingly, when I give these lists of the five stocks that I picked out of out of this list, that um, several of them are commodities or commodities related. I tried to find some in there that worked, but <laughs> um, they were. And interestingly, there were a few banks on the list, but not as many as you might think. And it's not necessarily because the dividend yield wasn't four percent, although that is uh, pretty high for banks at this time, but it's because the Zach's rank is not correct for most of the banks. So those earnings are not really uh, getting, you know, raised after this recent earnings from the first quarter for the banks. They're just not really seeing much earnings momentum right now. I do think that will change as we see the Fed raise rates and we head into the second half of the year. But right now the banks are not on these kinds of uh, favored lists with the Zach's rank because it's not um, it's not hot enough on the Zach's rank side to make these lists. So let's dive right in and see what's in here. Some of these I've talked about recently because I have covered the commodities and a lot of them are cheap. So I did not screen for PE, price to sales or any kind of value metric, but not surprisingly, almost all of these are um, very cheap and in the value category, you know, nothing's trading at like 25 times or anything with these kinds of dividend yields. So let's dive right in. Okay, the first one is one I just talked about not that long ago, BHP Group. So ticker BHP, and you'll remember, I did manage to 
figure it out this time. Um, this is an Australian company. It, it always used to be back in the day when I owned it 15 years ago, but um, I they have been spinning off some parts of their business since I owned it back in the day. And so it was a little confusing, but I did <laughs> conclude that it is still Australian. Now they're mostly on the mining side now. So copper, iron ore, nickel, those are some of its big areas. And uh, obviously pricing on all three of those has been surging. So year to date, these shares are up 11.5%, but they still have a PE of just 7.7. .7, so still really, really cheap. The yield is 9.3% now because the shares have pulled back a little bit in this uh, sell-off here at the end of April. So 9.3%, that's uh, pretty intense there. And the five-year historic dividend growth is 30%. So you will see on these commodity plays, the dividend yields are, you know, big time on the increase right now because, again, the free cash flows are huge and they are giving it back either in share buybacks into the dividends or a combination of both. So keep that in mind. There's no earnings date set for BHP. I think they used to report only like twice a year, like they did the six month and the full year. So might not get anything until the summer from BHP Group. Keep that in mind when you're looking at some of these international commodities plays that it's a little bit different than what we have here in the States, but still analyst coverage on it and still got the high rank. Okay, so that's BHP Group, BHP is the ticker. Second stock is also commodities, Devon Energy. A lot of people know it and they love it because of that dividend yield, right? DVN is the ticker. D is in dog, V is in Victor, N is in Nancy. And they're oil and that gas, and that means huge free cash flows right now in 2022. So, on the dividend side, I noticed they paid in the third quarter of last year, 84 cents, because they have both a fixed and a variable part of their dividend now. And then the variable side is going to change. And as the uh, oil and that gas prices go up, the variable side, they'll pay out more. So then in the fourth quarter, they ended up paying a dollar a share. So that's what you're seeing when you see the yield on like Yahoo Finance. It shows $4 a share on there, but that's the fixed plus the variable. But right now, based on the fourth quarter dividend, it's a yield of 7.1% right now. But it's not guaranteed you're going to get that dollar every quarter. Although this coming quarter which they will report on May 2nd, 2022. This coming quarter uh, should be even hotter than the dollar, so that yield may still be going up further, uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Now, in the fourth quarter, the board did raise the fixed dividend, the fixed side of things, 45%. So um, that, that they were also raising. <laughs> so that's what we want to see. The five-year historic growth in the dividend is 31% with Devon Energy because of these uh, increases that they're now starting to do. And uh, should see that continue here as we move forward, as long as oil and net gas prices remain elevated. Okay, so year-to-date, these shares are up 32%, but still trade with a PE of 66 because the E side, the earnings side, is soaring on these uh, you know, high 
energy prices. And so we will see as all these energy reports start to come in. But if you are a dividend investor, keep an eye on what they're doing with all this cash, how much you're going to get on these variable dividends. It's going to be a lot. So right now it's yielding 7.1%, as I said, uh, but that's Devon Energy DVN. Okay, I can't do much better than that, right? Uh, that's going to be probably the hot one of the quarter on this list. Okay, third one is Dow, ticker DOW. They've been in business 125 years now, so they've been around a long time. I went to their website to try to kind of figure out, like, you know, I know Dow Chemical. Again, they've been around for forever. I think I used to own them like 20 years ago in my own personal portfolio because they did pay that nice dividend. They paid good dividends for a long time. So currently the dividend is yielding 4.2%. It's pretty nice. Now we have the five-year historic growth of just 0%. So, so maybe they haven't been growing it. They've just kind of been keeping it there. But um, that may all soon change too if their free cash flow starts, uh, you know, bubbling up there. So they've already reported first quarter, and sales were up 28% year over year. And they said they saw strong demand across end markets. Now, remember, they're in everything like performance and coatings, plastics. Um, I tried to look to see, like, you could go on, they're a huge company, so you really have to dig deep if you want to know exactly all of their segments and what they're in. So keep that in mind. But their tagline is changing how the world works. Um, so even the company has to create just kind of like a generalist tagline so that you can figure out what they're doing. Uh, PE, just 84 with a peg of 0.28. So definitely a value stock here, even though year to date up 20% because the commodity side is surging. And that includes, you know, chemicals, specialty chemicals, um, the plastics, everything that that Dow is in. So keep that in mind, it's Dow, ticker D-O-W. Then we do have one bank on here and it's a bank I've Probably, I know I've talked about it before on the show, in fact, but it's been a while. And it is kind of like a random bank to suddenly just appear on a list like this. Because unless you have listened to the podcast for a while, you would probably not know it or unless you live in a state where this bank operates. So it's West Banco. So it's W-E-S-B-A-N-C-O, West Banco. WSBC is the ticker. So WS is in Sam, B is in Barbara, C is in Charlie. And it's a West Virginia-based bank. But it does have banks in several states. And it's a somewhat large, like, community regional bank, I would say, a regional-ish community bank out of West Virginia that's been around forever, since, like, the 1800s. So I like these banks that are growing um, Also, the economy in the states that they're in is doing well right now. So that's also a positive if you're looking for a regional or a community bank to know who are the customers going to be and are they doing well. And they are right now in um, all of these like Appalachian states, I want to say, you know, around West Virginia is where their main uh, focus is. So their yield is 4.2%. So they've always paid a bit higher. 
And so that's real nice as a bank investor because the shares are down year to date about 5%. That's not terrible, but most of the bank stocks are pretty weak right here, creating kind of a buying opportunity, I feel, in the banks. PE is about 13, so that could uh, come down a little bit, but it's not terrible compared to peers right now. Five-year growth on the dividend is 5.5%, so they maybe have been raising it a little bit each year. Earnings, though expected to decline 28% here in 2022, that's true of many of the banks. Uh, some of them got a boost last year when they put reserves in for the pandemic in 2020, and then they uh, didn't need them in 2021, so it came back in as earnings and now we're seeing a, a decline off of that, but still expect the earnings on the banks to uh, see some nice gains in the next year as those rates rise and the net interest margin growth will occur at these more regional community type banks. So I still like the banks, I'm a big fan, and the one that made this screen is West Banco WSBC. Then we're going to wrap it up with another one that I have talked about recently. It's a REIT. Not surprising they would make uh, this list. WP Carry. WPC is the ticker. They haven't reported earnings as of this uh, recording, but they are reporting on April 29th. So if you're listening to this uh, anytime in May or thereafter of 2022, then they've already reported earnings and you should go see what is going on. So just a reminder, because we have talked about this one in the past, they are a REIT on uh, the big commercial side of things. So industrial warehouses, offices, retail, and self-storage. But they're big. They're in the U.S., North and West Europe. So they've got a lot of exposure um, in different uh, you know, geographies and in different types of real estate. So if you're looking for more kind of the commercial side, and that's a bet on the, the strong economy, especially on the warehousing and industrial side of things, that WP Carry is one to keep on the list. So it's yielding 5% and has a five-year growth of just 1% though on the dividend. But as a REIT, this is when you're getting, you know, the income back from whatever it's generating. So it's not a bad yield, 5% for owning some real estate. Year-to-date, these shares are up 3.1%. So that's better than the overall market and certainly better than growth and tech stocks this year in 2022. It has a forward P of 16.1 right now. So this is the most expensive one out of this list so far. And so some investors have been diving in to hide out in it and get its 5% yield. So that's also a thing with dividend stocks. When things get a little shaky on the um, growth side of things, people want some dividends and want to be paid. And remember that all those little dividends you get over the years really do add up in your performance, especially when you have uh, some kind of down market or a pullback or the stock goes sideways for a year or two or maybe even three years. Getting even a you know one and a half or two percent dividend every year starts to compound on itself and really does add up as you go along 
especially if you're a long-term investor and you're owning 10 or 20 years, those little dividends can really put you over the top in terms of uh, your performance, in terms of beating the overall market, or even just meeting your own goals. Because remember, if you get 10% a year return, you will double your money in seven years. So um, if you're getting two or three or even better, 4% dividend yield, it doesn't take quite as much to get to that 10% level and uh, really start to see your money grow. So keep that in mind. That's why I like the dividends. And yeah, sometimes you may just get uh, kind of a smallish dividend and it's a little paltry, right? So say a company's paying, you know, less than 1% and maybe it's a stock that's, you know, $200 a share. So you might get $12 or something in a quarter and you're like, who cares about that? But these little, uh, these little bits of cash do add up and especially if they start compounding if you do you know reinvest in buying more shares then you start to really see gains the longer you hold so i like all dividends but these ones yielding over four percent even better so we'd like to salute geraldine weiss and thank her for doing the interview with the new york times and for their lovely obituary our regards and thoughts are with her friends and family. She has uh, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, so um, thoughts are with them. But it's a good uh, thing to go look at her obituary and understand you know, just how hard it is to be in the investing community for decades and to write a newsletter for all those years and see all those cycles is quite an accomplishment. So hats off to Geraldine, she will be missed, but her ideas continue on, same way with Benjamin Graham. So let me recap the, the stocks again. We had BHP Group, ticker BHP. We had Devon Energy, DVN is the ticker there. That's the one paying 7% currently, but it could go higher. Dow, um, ticker DOW. West Banco was the bank here out of West Virginia, WSBC. And then we had WP Carry, the industrial, um, just uh, commercial real estate REIT. WPC is the ticker there. So as always, you want to be sure to follow the Value Investor podcast because uh, this weekend is the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. I will be watching it live. It's going to be broadcast live on CNBC.com, not on CNBC on cable, but CNBC.com on the website. So you can watch it there. I'll be watching. I'll probably be tweeting out while I watch, but I will be doing a podcast about what goes on at the annual meeting and all the wisdom Warren Buffett is going to impart to us. He too now is in his in his 90s. So um, you know these times to hear directly from one of the greatest value investors ever are uh, you know limited here most likely. So 
it's going to be a good one. So be sure to subscribe so you can get the value investor in case you can't tune in yourself. You can always listen in here and get a replay and my thoughts on what he is thinking and seeing out there and any of his uh, good wisdom that he always does impart on us. And this is the first live annual meeting in several years since the pandemic started and Charlie Munger will be with him. So This is going to be a hot one. Be sure to tune in. And like I said, be sure to get the Value Investor Podcast for further updates. But as always, I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.